Welcome, friends, fans, and colleagues. Uh, It's Wednesday, so it must be uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine Day. I just want to say thank you to my regular listeners uh, for your listener loyalty. Thank you for tuning in. And for folks uh, new out there to the show, uh, we hope you'll become uh, uh, an oldie but a goodie and avail yourself of the years and years of archives uh, that are here um, on Blog Talk for Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh, We're on uh, once a week, usually Wednesday night, uh, but if you uh, get a hankering or need a fix for Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, some other day, uh, you can definitely find lots of good stuff there in the archives. So uh, please be sure you uh, check it out. And uh, tonight, uh, that was Abigail Spinner McBride. Uh, She hails from Las Vegas, Nevada, and um, that was her uh, single, uh, drumming single called Let the Way Be Open. And I started the show with that number tonight uh, because we are talking about opening the Akashic Records with Maureen St. Germain. Uh, She is an internationally recognized, highly acclaimed transformational teacher and best-selling author. Uh, She is with us to discuss her latest book, Opening the Akashic Records, Meet Your Record Keepers uh, and Discover Your Soul's Purpose. Maureen uh, plans to share with us how she became a messenger for the Akashic Records and how we can each access those records. And what's so special about this time and this place uh, related uh, to those, uh, you know, cosmic records, I guess. Uh, She'll explain how uh, the Goddess of Liberty is an important patroness of her work and we'll learn of her role in the world. Um, We'll chat about the historical evidence for the existence of the Akashic Records and how we each have our own personal record and and much more. Uh, I hope we can fit it all in in an hour. Uh, I hope you'll tell your friends uh, that we're delving in and uh, connecting with our higher selves and uh, what we can expect to find when we open those Akashic records and how we can use it to solve problems of health, love, and money. Uh, So uh, send uh, send a tweet or... um, or text your friends, uh, tell them that we're about ready to start the show. So with that said, uh, Maureen, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you. I really liked your opening music, and it reminded me of a wonderful group called the Friel Sisters, who have a similar sound, but they're from Scotland, and um, um, <clears throat> they are, uh, it's awesome to find a, a CD and send it to you. I think you'll like it. It's another very three sisters who sing together instead of one person doing voiceover oh, okay. like your other uh, singer. So thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be part of your uh, programming for Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you, Karen. Well, you know, um, I'm 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 very open-minded about this stuff, and uh, you know, people like Edgar Casey, um, he certainly piques my curiosity. You know, I and wonder if it was the Akashic Records, you know, he was tapping into when he would go into those trances and help heal people. And, um, you know, I think there's so much we just don't know about our world, quite frankly. You know, they say we only use 10% of our brain. 
um, you know, I'm I'm quite fascinated by um, you know some of the ancient knowledge that um, you know elitist groups like you know the Freemasons and Francis Bacon and Isaac Newton, you know those sorts of people, you know what knowledge they kept to themselves and didn't share with the masses because you know they felt well the masses just. Um, you know, uh, they weren't sophisticated enough to know the knowledge. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, I, I think it's possibly about the fact that uh, we could really manifest our own reality if we knew how and we believed we could. But, um, you know, it might also be something about what you're going to chat about tonight. And I may be going off in left field here, but uh, I like these sorts of topics because uh, this sort of alternative history or alternative knowledge, so to speak, uh, you know, we just, you know, we don't get that kind of information, uh, you know, growing up in traditional school. And uh, it's up to people like you and shows like this, I guess, to uh, bring this kind of information uh, to the world. And uh, quite frankly, I appreciate that you're doing this work. It's, it's important. Thank you. You know, I'm glad you brought up Edgar Casey because at one point he was asked, where is this information coming from? And he said a number of things. He said it's coming from the uh, individual it's, uh, that he was tapping into, the actual person, and it's coming from the Akashic Records. So then he was asked, well, what are the Akashic Records? And um, he, was, he, he told in the trance the Book of Life. And one of the things that I find so fascinating about Edgar Casey because he was from, you know, a couple of generations ahead of us, and even though he is America's most well-known uh, psychic, he didn't believe in reincarnation. And it wasn't until he started doing readings uh, with a very specific focus of, you know, what is the life path, what is the best knowledge for that person to know at this time. And then when he did for himself, and he was being told who he had been in a past life, then he came to, to believe in it, but his devout Christianity just wouldn't let him follow that at first. Hmm. Interesting. I, I didn't know that at all. Well, and and you know, and I and I guess we really have to kind of start at the beginning. I mean, um, I, I've heard of the Akashic Records for twenty or thirty years. I may have even interviewed someone, you know, way back when uh, about the Akashic Records, but I never quite totally understood what they were. And um, so I guess let's start there. What's the Akashic Record, and and how can you be certain in your answer? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, let me throw that out at you to begin with. Well, the Akashic Records are a living library, much like using the Internet or using a public library, but it is living, it is alive. And so it's constantly moving and changing because it's constantly reflecting whatever is going on in, uh, in the history of the world. It represents, it has the information of, of the past, it has the information about the present, and it has the information about the probable futures. So there's a lot going on in those records. Um, and because it's alive, it's a living field. We don't actually go into the records, even though we say, you know, we're going in the records and we're going to get your records. What we're really doing is like working with a le reference librarian that is retrieving the data for us and we're standing on the edge, and, you know, maybe they'll let us hold the book, maybe they won't. But it's a, 
retrieval process that we work with uh, beings who are pulling up the data that we're seeking. Okay, so all right, in, uh, so that's a start um, for an explanation. But you know, I, I'm going to press you a little bit more, um, you know, because I, I tend to be, you know, I, I tend to be detail oriented. So don't, you know, don't take this personally. But I guess what I wonder is, you know, how do we know that we aren't tapping into our own imagination? I mean, look, I've had a number of um, past life regressions done. And even though I feel to a certain extent I can resonate with them, uh, those were past lives I would never have dreamed in a million years for myself, which in, in a sense made them more credible. Um, you know, I still don't know if I just didn't make it up. And, um, you know, so, so how do you answer that? You know, how, how, I mean, with what certainty do you know there is something out there um, and, and why do you believe it so fully? Um, a number of reasons. The first one has to do with a message that I received um, as I was in a lucid dream, and I was told that another uh, person, an astrologer, had a message for me. So I reached out to this person, and I said, sure, you know, you're going to update my astrology chart. And she said, no, your guides, I don't do messages, but in this case, your guides came in and told me you were, be giving, you were being given access to a dimension that had been closed to humanity for eons and uh, that I was given a permanent guide and a number of uh, pieces of information that were personal. So I went back to my guides and said, how come I didn't get that information directly? Why did I have to go through a go-between? And I was told because you, Maureen, are so concerned about aggrandizement and the teachers that puff themselves up and say they're special that even if we had told you this, you would never have accepted it, you would never have believed it. That's the first thing that happened. And then um, when a person is in the uh, field of this energy of this Akashic Records, there are so many markers and signs that validate that you're in that field that it allows you to accept that it's real. And just like Edgar Casey, when a person first starts out doing this work, they doubt it. They think they're making it up, and it's understandable. But we have all these markers that help us say, okay, we're there, we're there, just like on our GPS. And on top of that, information comes through that there is no way you could know. And, and it's so interesting because although I'm tapped in and I'm, um, you know, pretty intuitive, and certainly I have a good lineage of uh, intuition in my family, I've said things to people that were so outrageous. For example, um, one time I opened a person's records, and she was a friend of a friend, and she really wasn't like in our in our uh, family of believers, if you will. And her friend apparently had convinced her to have a session with me, but I didn't know any of this. I didn't know where she was at emotionally or mentally. And the record keeper showed me her fidgeting with her life jacket like you would wear on a boat. They showed her getting on the boat, and, you know, really fussing about it. And they told her that she did not have to concern herself with her life jacket and it didn't have to stress out when she went out on her boat. And out of her mouth, and this was like my opening remarks, she didn't even ask me any questions yet. And um, then she said, how did you know I had a boat? And I started to laugh and said, I didn't know you had a boat. That came from, 
from the channeled message from the record keepers because I truly didn't know that. And I thought it was pretty outrageous that I was saying it. And then at the end, she asked me, you know, I don't even believe in reincarnation, but if I do, if I did, how did I die in my last lifetime? And, of course, you know what the answer was. And I hesitated because I wasn't sure I should be the person telling her this. But I again checked in and got that I should give her that answer. And, um, you know, she gasped when she heard, well, you drowned. But then the record keeper said to her again, we told you, you would never have to go through that again. So think about the stories about people who have uh, embodied over and over again and keep going back to the same kind of circumstance to try and make it happen differently. So perhaps this woman had drowned in the past and was and deliberately set herself up to, to marry someone that would love having a boat and that they were out in their boat all the time. And, and you know, to, to be on a boat and not drown kind of a thing. Interesting. Um, it, well, it's so when so all right. So we're we're uh, uh, you mentioned markers. What sort of um, define marker for me, or give me an example of the markers that you get that tell you that you know yes, you're actually doing this. Okay. So we um, identify a few markers, and when I'm in training, I try not to tell people this ahead of time because I prefer them to have the experience. And then when I say, did anybody have this, did anybody have this, did anybody have this, and they start getting yes, then they think, oh, wow, that's cool. They didn't make it up, you see. They are being validated by me instead of being told. But I'll be happy to share with you the markers that I've identified in the book, and there are probably are more. But the first one is um, this sensation that you are hearing white noise. So... You know that sound in your head or in your ears, like when the TV goes off a station or a radio goes off uh, its broadcast, and it makes this high-pitched, you know, hiss kind of a sound. Well, that comes in, and it's louder than normal. It's louder than what you might hear when you have earplugs in, for example. That's one marker. Another marker is a sense of a gentle pressure on your chest. So it's like somebody's got their hand on your chest, and it, they're pushing on you, but it doesn't hurt. It's not uncomfortable. It's just different. Another sensation is a sense of a pulsing. And it's not like, it's, it's a little bit like your heartbeat, but it's much slower. So it's this, and it's this quality. And then one other one that's really special um, that practically everybody gets, and that is this feeling of being loved and cherished. And I call it the hammock effect because you literally feel like you're being swaddled or cared for or held closely. And it's not a feeling of being tight or closed in. It's this feeling of being held by your mom who loves you. Hmm. Okay, okay. So um, would you equate um, tapping into the Akashic Record with tapping into past lives or not necessarily. It could be uh, just to find out, um, you know, not just what would happen to you in, in past lives, but maybe what could potentially happen to you in the next decade or so? Yes. Well, that's a really good question because um, there are uh, guides who specialize 
in a lot of past life information. That's never enchanted me because I'm always interested in how can we fix what's going on right now? How can we stay in the present? Um, and certainly your comment about, well, maybe, you know, past life stuff isn't as critical. But past lives can influence what's going on today. And then it is important to get that information. And I'll give you an example of that in just a second. But finally, so you're not likely to get a prediction that um, answers some kind of query that you have, but you could get information in the records that would give you information about your future that you weren't necessarily asking. So it's almost like if you ask a side question, you're more likely to get a future piece of information than if you ask a direct future question because there's so many choices. But when you're asking the side question, it already shows where you're leaning, and then that then that particular future can be seen easily, if that makes sense. Um, now, the example I'm I want to... I'm not sure. Okay. So um, let me give you the example, and maybe it's a little more clear. A man uh, called into a radio show and, and was saying that he had a very... Um, difficult do- relationship with his daughter, and basically she wasn't talking to him. And she was either a teenager or a young adult, and he wanted to know what was going on about that and, and what he could do to fix it. And the record keepers told him that in that he was a very advanced soul, that he had agreed to sponsor her, that she wasn't as evolved, and that they had been adversaries in a past life. And because of that, she still perceived him that way. And they said that the most proactive thing you could do is love her anyway. So no matter what she does, you act like a loving father. That means you send birthday cards when you, if you would normally send birthday cards. If you're normally going to give a, a holiday present, you do that. And you, you deliberately do what you would normally do without expectation that anything is going to happen or that there's going to be gratitude or appreciation or reciprocation. Okay. Um, so, I, all right, so then I can see where the past life then uh, helped explain the challenges he was having now. That um, that, that makes sense then. Um, it, um, but, but tell me a little bit more about predicting the future. Um, and forgive me for saying this to you, but, um, you know, back in 2016 when we were trying to figure out who was going to win the 2016 election, I must have talked to a half a dozen psychics. And I know, you know, this is a little bit different, you know, but, you know, they, they're supposed to be tapped into something, too. Uh, I believe one of them even said they were tapped into the Akashic Records. And each one said somebody else was going to win the election. And, you know, and, and, and it sort of makes you lose faith, um, if, if you will, you know. Um, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So, I mean, have you ever used this for something like that? I mean, like, for instance, would you have confidence, you know, right now if, if I said to you, um, are we going to have four more years of Donald Trump? I mean, could um, you answer that with, with certainty? Well, I I would, but that's my personality, and it's not in the records. What I will tell you is that the Akashic Records are not for prediction, and they are not for um, psychic-type information. 
there for soul growth. So you wouldn't, you know, you, ah. you wouldn't go to the podiatrist if you had a back problem. You don't go into the Akashic Records. You don't seek an Akashic Records guide for information about your future. You're ask, you're seeking information about what's going on now, and that may impact your future. Um, for example, I had a client who was asking about a roommate that she was going to move in with, and it was a, a gay guy that was a friend of a friend, and she had this lovely apartment with, you know, a bedroom at either end of the uh, uh, space. And she wanted to have someone like him who didn't want to cook and didn't want to use the kitchen, didn't want to use the dining room because she was a cook and hosted dinner parties. So she thought it was a great match. And she said, how is that going to go? And she's kind of offhand near the end of the uh, reading. And the record keeper said, well, it'll be fine until the luster wears off. And she said, luster? What luster? Does that mean he's not going to stay? And the record keeper said, no. And she said, well, when will he leave? And they said, July. And she said, of what year? Because July was only, you know, like 30 days away. And uh, then when the record keeper said of this year, she said, well, maybe I shouldn't rent to him. And the record keeper said something very interesting. They said, no, you can rent to him and that his exit will put you in alignment with the roommate you seek. The timing will be right that you seek. And she ended up, you know, I have a way to check on this, of course, and so she ended up having this guy drop out, you know, in the month of July, and it was a big mess. But in August, she met and roomed, uh, rented her room to a woman that she got along with so well they had a movie night once a week. And they were best of friends for the whole time they stayed in the same apartment. So it was the roommate of her dreams. Interesting. So that's kind of interesting. interesting. Uh, Again, that's what I mean when I was trying to explain to you. The side question produces information that you wouldn't get any other way except from the side question, like, well, maybe I shouldn't rent to him. And then the record keeper say, no, if it's going to give you the right timing for the roommate you see, because that woman wasn't looking two months earlier. I see. I see what I see. What you're saying that, that makes per, that makes perfect sense. Well, all right. So, um, can anyone tap into the Akashic records, or do you have to have um, a guide? You know, someone like you to um, you know to be sure you're actually um, tuned in. There was a cosmic dispensation that was released around 1988 whereby all humans are given the permission and the authority to enter the Akashic Records. And this is because we're at the end of an era and at the end of an age, and it was intended to help humans to understand the world around them in such a way that it would allow them to be more compassionate, would allow them to be more loving. Imagine if you were the lady with the roommate business, if you knew it was going to work out fine, you wouldn't get nearly as worked up over it as you might if you didn't have any solution in your head. And I'm sure that father felt the same way, you know, like, well, at least I know it won't last forever. I've just got to do my part and, and you know, do, do what I need to do. So, in a way, um, and, and let me go back to the training part. Anyone can learn, and it's like learning to drive. You could learn to drive on your own, but it's so much easier if you take a class or you read a book about it and you learn from somebody who's 
been there, done that. And the same is true. Everybody has permission. Everybody has authority. Now, some of my students have actually asked the question, yeah, well, what about the, the bad guy who goes in and is looking for something that he can use, you know, to hurt people or to, you know, find out something? And the answer is the record keepers tell us that the level of sincerity and authenticity is directly related to the level of information you get. So somebody who has a, a so-called hidden agenda wouldn't be wouldn't be able to get very much because their hidden agenda would be known. So, um, all right. Now, now this, this, and, and and I'm glad you said that. That makes sense. And um, and and the, and I'm I'm glad that that's the rules, so to speak. Um, so, you've called it a library. You've you've mentioned the elders. Um, I I think that was the word you used. Um, is, is is this record or these people that disseminate the information? Um, do you uh, consider them? Um, I, I guess what we would call God or goddess. It's uh, a good question. The records were created after creation. They are not God. There are beings that embody the records in their consciousness. Their consciousness is holding that information. There are other beings in the records who are um, helping to convey the information and to work with individuals. And there are even individuals here on the earth who have been in the records as guides and have chosen to come on earth to uh, be perhaps a channel for that information. So, no, they're not gods. These are beings, are very high beings, very uh, expansive consciousness to be able to convey that kind of information. So you said that they um, more or less made the Kashic record accessible to everyone so the world would be more compassionate. Um, how are we doing with that? <laughs> Um, and any any sense of if it was a success? I I think so. You know, I I see lots of people. I teach all over the world. I have the good fortune of seeing people of every culture uh, interact with this information and grow and become more loving, more patient, more compassionate than they were before. And when we are expressing those feelings and those emotions, we make better decisions. We make decisions that are concerning not only ourselves but the people around us. Okay, and um, you you name uh, the goddess of liberty um, as important to your work. Where does where does she fit in? And are we talking about Lady Liberty that stands in New York Harbor? Yes, yes. <laughs> now there there are many statues of the Statue of Liberty all over the world. There are many expressions of this goddess uh, in, um, you know, in state capitals. I've seen it in Madison, Wisconsin. I've seen it in state capitals where you have this, this goddess of justice and liberty. And the goddess of liberty, so the, the representation that we are most familiar with is the goddess of liberty in, in Manhattan, in the, in the uh, New York Harbor. And her presence is part of the expression from the ascended masters who are assisting Earth on its planetary evolution. So 
I'm going to back up a little and say we are at the place in the reality where our technology is more advanced than our spirituality. And so we have this big catch-up to do to catch up with the technology from a spiritual perspective. And the way to look at this or understand it would be if you worked for a seed company and you had the chance to put a chemical on the seed that would make it grow faster and keep it more disease resistant, but in your trials you discovered that it was causing illness, your, your, your spirituality would, would clearly direct you to not use it. So we haven't caught up. Okay. You know, the, the global you know, systems that we have right now haven't caught up with our technology because our technology should be at the place where the decisions that are made are not just for profit but for the betterment of life on the planet. And so we're kind of moving in that direction, Got and we have lots of pockets of that. Um, so the goddess of liberty represents the ability to make personal decisions that are proactively helpful, not only to yourself, but to the world around you. So it's a freedom to be free, to look at so, and not feel uh, beholden to somebody else or something else. Okay. And now when you reference... Uh, goddess of liberty are you talking in terms of metaphor uh, you know or are you talking about um, you know maybe one of these higher beings that um, maybe is the essence of liberty she is a very very real being and I have had a long time relationship with her long before um, I ever knew about the Akashic Records and even though I, I, although I live in New York now, I didn't always live in New York. And I was very attracted to this goddess who is the spokesperson for the Karmic Board and who works with humans all over the world, helping us to step up to our, our true opportunities that are in front of us. Right, right. Well, how, how did you become a messenger for the Akashic Records? Well, as I explained, as I um, mentioned earlier, I was given a message for, um, you know, that I was being given access to a dimension that had been closed to humanity for eons. And at the time, even I didn't realize that it was the Akashic Records. And then um, I studied from another teacher who, um, wh- whose lineage I pulled away from. And <clears throat> I also was very involved in the Edgar Casey work. And Edgar Casey talks a lot about the Akashic Records. And I read about him, you know, when I was in my teens and, you know, belonged to the Edgar Casey study groups. And so we, we had a pretty good uh, awareness, you know, in the circles of the Search for God groups and those kinds of things. And so I began, I was told in the records that uh, I would teach and that I would teach this work. And so I resisted, like we often do, and I was put in a situation where it was pretty obvious that I needed to take an action, so I stepped up and and started offering that training and teaching, and it's taken off. You know, I've taught all over the world this work. All right. Well, well, let me ask you this. Uh, how, How do you reconcile 
what's written in the the Akashic Record, like, I mean, you just said that it was written there that you were going to teach this, versus um, one's free will, so to speak. Um, I mean, is it like this is fate? No, because remember, I had free will and I resisted. (laughs) I resisted. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to uh, step up. I didn't want to put myself on the line or expose myself or maybe be made fun of or be wrong, you know. So I did resist. I had free will. Um, I didn't start doing it early when I'd been told to do it. So it's kind of funny because initially I wasn't told I had to do it. I was told you you will be given, you are being given access to this dimension that has been closed humanity. So at one point I finally said, well, am I the only one? And I was told, no, but you are a way shower. And we, you know, that's when I finally started to get it that I was supposed to teach. So, so it's not like I was given a directive, you must teach or anything like that. But it was pretty, you know, it's like, you know, it's like putting the food in front of a dog and expecting it to eat. It's going to eat, you know, it's just a matter of time. And, um, or maybe it's better to stay in front of a cat because a cat might not like that food and turn its nose up until it's really hungry. Um, and we all have those experiences, I think. And I especially appreciate uh, what I will say is having our feet put to the fire. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, you're given a key, you see a door, you're scared to open it, and now there's a lion chasing you. <laughs> so you're going to use a key and go through the door. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> um, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how you um, actually make the connection and, um, you know, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the energy and, you know, our our higher self and, uh, uh, you know, what else we need to know, um, you know, what, what you think it's important for listeners to know about this and how to use it, okay? That's good. All right, so we'll be right back. Uh, but uh, in the meantime here, um, this is especially for those of you who feel called by the fairy face. Uh, you'll want to listen closely. Uh, this will be about Joe Carson's book, uh, Celebrate Wildness. And here we go. Celebrate Wildness has practical instructions on how to make your own fairy ring hinge how to magically restore any place to its original wild harmony, how to feel the shapes of the earth as if they really are a part of your own body, and even how to initiate yourself into the Ferraferia path. From early Ferraferia member, John Beggs. What a beautiful, inspired, and inspiring book this is. The text is a delight, augmenting, interpreting, and celebrating the drawings that the singer sometimes adds another dimension of understanding to a musical composition. It has the glow, glory, and joy of a masterpiece. Celebrate Wildness is an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper. It is written by filmmaker Joe Carson, who made the film Dancing with Gaia. You can get it for $25 from the Ferraferia website at ferraferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org.
So just to clarify, Jill Carson's magical book, Celebrate Wildness, is available only at ferraferia.com, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot, oh, dot org, I'm sorry, dot org. Uh, correction there. Uh, and if you just tuned in with us, uh, I am talking to Maureen St. Germain, and uh, we're discussing the Akashic Record, uh, specifically her book uh, titled Opening the Akashic Records, Meet Your Record Keepers and Discover Your Soul's Purpose. And um, uh, what we were going to chat about next was uh, what's the process, Maureen, to actually tap in? I mean, is it sort of uh, a guided meditation thing, or how how do you go there? Um, it's done through a simple prayer, and initially I take people through a process to prepare them, like a warm-up, and then we use the prayer, and it's almost magical. And I say this with great reverence because the people who take the time to follow this process by using this prayer and being sincere are shocked at the phenomenal, amazing, and loving energy that comes through. And so often we doubt it because it's so simple. You know, you, I heard you talking about manifesting earlier and if we know how, and sometimes the process is so simple we dismiss it. And some people will listen to this and say, well, it's too simple. can't possibly happen. And certainly I would have questioned it as well because it is so simple and so straightforward. But there is something about the sincerity of the seeker and following the instructions that are given, that it happens. There are people who go into the Akashic Records who don't go through any kind of a process. They just, you know, ready, aim, and they're there. And and that's a different way to access the Akashic Records. What I'm doing is giving people a really standardized, easy, understandable protocol that ensures they'll be successful. You know, like you can learn to drive drive because your dad taught you, or you can learn to drive by trial and error, or you can take driver's ed. I'm offering driver's ed. Well, you know, I read in some of your materials that um, it's a good idea to access the fifth dimension um, or your higher self before you access the the Akashic Records. Well, what if you don't know how to do either? Well, that's a good question, and I teach both. So early on in my career, I was teaching a body of knowledge known as the Merkaba. And we were given an instruction that we were permitted to take it to the last activation step until we had permission from our higher self. And I was caught between a rock and a hard place because I knew I had permission, but I was scared to take uh, to take that step because I wanted to have some kind of insurance policy that it was really true. So what happened when I became a teacher of this work is I asked for and received guidance on how to connect with your higher self, and how to get accurate information. And that's another protocol that I teach in my workshop, actually in all my workshops. So that's considered like basic, um, important skill set. And I tell people who tell me, oh, I don't need to do that. I have a good connection with my higher self. I say to them, okay, fine. Do you always trust it? Do you always do what you're being told by your higher self? 
Well, no. Then you don't really have a good connection. Because if you had a really good connection that you knew was 100% accurate, you wouldn't challenge it. You wouldn't question it. Because you would know. It's like, I can show up for your show, but you know the sun is going to come up tomorrow. There's a difference. Yeah, it's a, it's a matter of certainty uh, or or not, I think is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in going back to the manifesting thing, you know, that was a discussion I was having with someone recently um, about this idea of, of manifesting. You know, it seems like to me if we believe it and we um, expect that what we're going to manifest is going to manifest, it's more likely to. Um, and our conversation kind of went like this. You know, if we were groomed or conditioned from the time we were young children to believe in our manifestation abilities, then it would be like brushing our teeth or, like you said, you know, you know, knowing that the sun was going to come up the next day. And there wouldn't be doubt blocking that energy, you know. Um, I, I think belief and certainty, and I mean, will you tell me, but my theory is that belief and certainty are big parts of, uh, being able to do the, this kind of, I don't know, I'm going to just call it right brain work. I, I totally agree with you. And I wrote a book on manifestation called Be a Genie. And I not only tell people exactly what you have said, I also teach them outcome that is beyond your heart's desire. So if you're desiring to be with your beloved, don't go to seeing yourself with them and having dinner celebrating an anniversary that proves it happened. And that gives you certainty. Right, right, right. The thing that we often do is we believe it's going to work, then we meet somebody who doesn't work out with that person, so we decide, oh, it doesn't work then. And it's kind of like if you were at a restaurant and you ordered uh, a meal, and then you see the guy next to you with his meal, and you oh, that looks really good. And you grab the waiter, listen, I changed my mind, I wonder what he's getting. And so the waiter changes it, and then you see somebody else with a different meal, and you, oh, that looks even better. And you keep doing that. Pretty soon the waiter's going to scream at you and say, um, make up your mind, lady. <laughs> well, and, and you know what convinced me of this idea of we get what we expect, and I think that's another way of, of saying it, is, you know, I looked at, you know, I looked at wealthy people. And, you know, they grew up in wealth. I don't think they expected anything else but to be wealthy their entire lives. And I think most of the time they are. And the same goes for people who don't grow up in wealth. You know, their expectation is, um, you know, life is not going to get better. And in a way they become their own worst enemy. You know, they, they sort of block the potential and uh, I, I don't know, that was, that was the thing that, that really started me thinking about we get what we expect. I like it. I think it's well said, and I totally agree with you. So let us expect the best, and it always works out. <laughs> Um, so tell me, uh, tell me more about um, how we can uh, maybe use the Akashic Record or access the Akashic Record, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, the, the things that, uh, you know, like, like health and love and money. Um, 
you know, how, how does how do we maneuver to um, acquire it or, you know, know if we're going to have it? Or is that too much like using the Akashic Record for prediction? Um, I think it's a mixed bag. I think, you know, a lot depends upon what's going on in the moment and, and what, you know, what needs to be resolved or handled. Um, when I was uh, in a place where I had the ability to um, buy a new home for myself, I, I was on a lease and I was worried about, you know, are we going to be able to do this in time because it takes so much time to close on a house, you know, and things like that. And I remember going in the records and saying, um, I don't think we have much time. Maybe I should renew my lease for another year so I have more time to work it out. And the record keeper said, absolutely not. You are going to be making an offer on a place, you know, this month and, you know, move in a couple of months, and that's that. And I was I was in shock because I'm, you know, I'm like whining like a little kid, you know. I'm, I'm worried I'm not going to, you know, get this sorted out in the time frame I have. And so there are times that the records will come out with information for you about your future, but it's really because it's impacting your presence, you see, it's not impacting your president, it might not happen. There are questions, for example, that people ask about what's going on in the present, and then the information about the future comes in. And I want to emphasize that even though the skill is readily available, like anything, practice makes you even better. So just like you know, your piano teacher knows when you haven't practiced, um, the record keepers uh, will be more available to you and you will understand the messages better and understand the, the experience better the more you are willing to go into the Akashic Records. Um, the kinds of problems I that get are, it. Yeah. The kinds of problems that are solved generally are what's going on for me. Am I uh, uh, understanding my reality the way the reality is presenting? You know, how can I utilize my skills? Um, what are my fears? I had a lady today ask, you know, what what her life path was, and they showed me that she was in front of a microphone. And she says, I hate publicity. And I started to laugh. I thought, yeah, I, I get that. I, I, I felt that way at one time. Um, but, you know, it was pretty, pretty clear. She had so many skills. And they said that she had a very good sense of humor. And she said, well, that's true. And they said that by weaving all these all these pieces of knowledge together, that she would make an amazing, uh, you know, comedian, either in written form or on the stage. And it was so funny to me because, you know, think about this guy. I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he's called Swami Beyondananda. And he writes for a magazine that's been around for a long time called the Sedona Journal. And he writes the funniest things, you know, like um, my uh, my my karma ran over your dogma, you know, <laughs> and face with the words we use and the the things we believe, or you know, and makes fun. And and what that does is it relieves pressure because you know you might be around someone who's kind of interested but kind of scared of it at the same time, and if you could, you know, make up something that would make them laugh, then they'd realize that we're all in this together, and, and that we're all going to screw up, and we're all going to do great, and it's 
it's okay. It doesn't have to be rigid, you know, and, and the sense of laughter that opens the heart. So it's so interesting to me because uh, when I first started out, I too thought I was making it up. There was no doubt in my mind that I was making it up, and I felt like a fool. And then the client would say something like, how could you know that? Huh. And I go, I, I don't know, you know, I'm just giving you what came in. So, pretty amazing. Really, so, how, really... how, do, how do you hear it, Maureen? I mean, does it come in as a thought? Is it auditory? Is it a feeling? Huh. Those are good questions. Each person is different. So some people see pictures. Some people hear the words. Some people get both pictures and words. Um, I had one of my students was uh, giving a session for a client. client wanted to know about her, the guy she was with, and was was he going to be a good dad? She was thinking about getting married to him, and she wanted to have a baby. And the guy could see this woman dancing with her baby, and the man was on the side. And so she said, well, will I be happy? Now, the obvious answer from my vantage point is, well, you're dancing. What do you think? You know, so it is up to interpretation. It is an um, experience. A lot of people who um, only get pictures think that there's something wrong with them because they're not getting words. And my response is, well, I know, I know. I hear about a lot of ETs or beings that are only communicating telepathically. So from my vantage point, if you're getting pictures, you know, one picture is worth a thousand words. So, you know, I, I think the pictures are pretty cool. And and you get yours how? Yours, yours are in pictures? or I get pictures, but I always get words. So the words flow out okay. of my mouth, and even I am shocked to hear some of them. Um, one time when I was getting a lot of visuals, now remember, I'm... I'm, I'm I've got a gift to begin with. So I was getting a lot of images about something happening that would have been an accident, like an industrial accident that involved my husband. And, and I said to him, you know, are you planning on going back to that work site? And without even skipping a beat, he said, well, if you told me not to go, I wouldn't go. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's good. Um, then I told him what I'd been seeing. And he said, well, tomorrow morning, could you open up the Akashic Records for me? Now, he's an investigator of fires, and he's a researcher and a scientist. And um, he was working on a case, a pretty big case, and I knew nothing about it. And out of my mouth, when he, he, when, when, when he asked me to open his records, you know, this is me, this is how I look at things, and I have a feeling Karen, you're like me. You know, I'm thinking he's going to ask, is it my time to go? Can this be prevented? If I, if I choose not to do this, will I die some other way? You know, I mean, all kinds of questions that I would have like that, right? There's nobody asked. First question out of his mouth is, what caused the fires? And without skipping a beat, the record keepers through me said it was a, it was, there were two fires that were set, and it was done to cover up a murder. And I leaned back. Wow. I was so shocked and, and embarrassed because I, I thought I was making it up. Even then, even after years and years, that was such an outrageous thing to say. But... You know, he looked at me and and I, and I said, "Oh gosh, I don't know why I don't know why that was came out." 
nobody died. And he looked at me and he said, actually, two people died. Huh. And it turns out that so, so, yeah. So finish that story. I mean, because I think I heard you say you would. the message was he shouldn't go back to that job site. Um, did something happen at the job site that um, – uh, you know the, that day, or the you know, or or very soon afterwards, that he might have been injured. Where, well, was that me, sort of a, a prediction? That go ahead. Yeah, let me back up and explain that there is um, some truth to people who interfere with something that you have agreed to or planned. You know, as an exit point, and if you change one thing. It doesn't mean that the exit point isn't going to be taken. It just means it will take a different form. And that's what I was thinking about when I suggested to him that he had a thought about going back to this job site because I did see him being fatally injured. Now, it turns out <clears throat> that he um, they couldn't find a, a scientific source of the fires, and he finally went to the attorney's an international group in Germany and told them that his wife was a psychic, which I told him later, don't tell people I'm a psychic, that's not my thing, and um, and told them what I had said to him. And they couldn't find a proof. There was more to the story, (coughs) I felt, (coughs) energetically, that it involved the... um, the, um, a kind of mafia, like in the Merchant Marines. It was a it was a ship, and it was involving uh, something that happened at sea. So, yeah, this is not a story I'm supposed to tell on the air. I'm starting to cough and everything. If people want to know that, <laughs> look. Okay, all right. I, 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 the detail there. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, well, um, why don't you? Well, well, you said something a minute ago that triggered a, a question. How does karma fit in with the Akashic record? I mean, do you believe that there's karma? Um, you know, or or these two uh, ideas uh, compatible? You know, uh, the Akashic records and karma. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. The age has changed everything. So now that we're moving into the Great Golden Age. There is no more karma. And in the Akashic Records, I was told this. And I was told this um, back in 1994. And the record keepers basically have uh, provided additional information. Because when I was first told, I thought, what the heck is that? How can that be? And and over time, you know, back over 20 years ago, over time, The information that came in is that because we're moving to this new age where the situation has changed dramatically and we are no longer keeping score of ourselves or others, we no longer need karma. We no longer need to have that game and a new game with new rules has come into play. And it involves unconditional love and exploration and curiosity but it does not involve judgment. Wow. Well, you know, I I think of people who are praying that there's karma because they feel like that's the only way they're going to get justice, uh, you know, for some things in the world. You know, that probably doesn't come as great news. (laughs) Well, you know, you make a good point, but think about how children play. 
And if their game gets interrupted in the middle because they're being called for dinner, they're being called back to class, it's no big deal. They forget about it. They forget about who was ahead or anything. And then they start a new game when they get another chance. And so it's more like that. If you know it's a game, you know it doesn't matter, and you know that it's not for you to judge another so that you'll stop judging yourself, it changes the playing field because you you finally get it that the only person keeping score is me. I'm the one that's keeping the game going. There was a channel message that came in from the great divine director, and one of the things he said was... <clears throat> The game is over when there are no more players. Will you be the first to leave or the last? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Um, this has been uh, this has been so much fun and um, you know uh, so so enlightening. You've given me so much to think about, Maureen. Um, we're about. Uh, you know, we're about at the end of the show, though. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. Um, is there anything I haven't asked uh, that you feel like it's important for listeners to know? I always like to share my favorite uh, opportunity prayer to help people be more fifth-dimensional, more in their heart and loving, and that is to ask every day for a day of heaven on earth for me and everyone I come in contact with. Changes everything. Okay, you want to say that one more time? Yes. I am asking for a day of heaven on earth for me and everyone I come in contact with. And then we get our heavenly... Yeah, pretty simple. (laughs) Wow, cool. Um, All right, why don't you uh, tell listeners um, about... uh, uh, you, you mentioned you do workshops, I believe. Uh, do you have anything coming up? Uh, do you have to do this in person? Can it be done on the Internet? Uh, fill us in a little bit for people who maybe want to, you know, access, um, you know, the teachings you have aside from the book. Excellent. I am on the web at maureenstgermain.com, M-A-U-R-E-E-N-S-T, G-E-R-M-A-I-N.com. My books are available everywhere. You can buy them on Amazon or booksellers. You can also take this from me. I have uh, online classes. I have classes in New York City. I uh, travel and do lectures and presentations uh, throughout the U.S. and the world. Um, I also have trainings that people can download and do on their own. Um, I also have a huge line of guided meditation CDs that I have channeled and written the music for. Um, All of my books are to help people be the best they can be and to understand the world around them. And it is my deep pleasure to help people do that. Wonderful, wonderful. And um, again, uh, the website, uh, MaureenStGermain.com, MaureenStGermain.com. Maureen, thank you so much, um, you know, for all of this uh, insight tonight. Um, You know, I... um, I, I, I believe with my heart and soul, uh, you know, even the ugliness we see in the world is serving a purpose. 
And, um, you know, and rather than uh, become pessimistic about it, I try to be optimistic. You know, I see it, you know, the ugliness as a catalyst uh, to maybe help us shift things in a better direction. And, um, you know, I think stuff like what you're teaching, uh, you know, I, I think it helps us evolve as, as humans. And, um, you know, we, we certainly need that. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And I'm right in line, right behind you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> All right, then. Good night. Good night. Uh, well, that about does it uh, for me uh, tonight, listeners. I want to thank you, uh, f- uh, thank you for tuning in. And um, if you have any questions uh, for me, you can always reach me at my new email address, uh, KarenTate108 at yahoo.com. And uh, just a reminder, if you're new to the show, uh, I do have a new website. It's KarenTate.net. Uh, and uh, you can find my newsletter there, my books, my talks, uh, the radio show. Uh, you can also go there and make a donation if you'd like uh, to help me uh, keep paying for the airtime to keep the show on the air uh, and have wonderful guests like uh, Maureen uh, on it tonight and uh, you know, and to continue into the future to bring this sort of information to you. Um, all right. Well, uh, that about does it for me. Uh, I will be back with you uh, uh, next Wednesday with Alana Bliss, and uh, we're going to be talking about sacred hallucinogens. Uh, we have a great July planned. Uh, we're going to have a time travel show, uh, which is, is going to just uh, blow your mind, and uh, uh, some other cool topics uh, you know, for, our, for some summer fun. All right. Well, everyone have a great uh, summer, and, uh, you know, we're in the season of summer solstice. Uh, Right now I am up in the mountains, and uh, we are just being blessed with 70-degree temperatures in the day and 50-degree temperatures at night, and uh, it just kind of feels like uh, heaven on earth. So uh, thank you, dear listeners, for your listener loyalty, and uh, I hope you'll tune in again next Wednesday. Good night.